on a series right now called Born to Reign, uh, teaching kingdom-minded people. Because it's real easy to become a very religious church and a religious group. It's easy to fall in the, the, the mindset or even the lifestyle of an American that goes to work and goes to church and we call ourselves Christian. But the truth of the matter is, we're in a series, God never called you to live as a Christian. That's what the world called believers. The world called them Christians, it says in Acts 16, at Antioch, because they were living Christ-like. Now, you can call yourself a Christian all you want to, but does your neighbor call you Christ-like? Does your spouse call you Christ-like? Does your boss call you, call you Christ-like? Because, see, it's real easy for us to become religious. And miss out on this life that God's given us. Because it's not a call to Christianity. It's a call to the kingdom. Jesus came preaching kingdom concept. And so we're in a series right now. If you're with us, I've taken the last two times I've preached. And we really preach concept. But we've got to get into principle. And we started two weeks ago with me just teaching the one principle of the kingdom is forgiveness. What principles are, and when it comes to kingdom, they are laws established and governed by that control everything within its kingdom. For example, forgiveness in the kingdom of heaven means that if you want God to forgive you, then you have to be willing to forgive others. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm afraid there's a lot of believers sitting in churches or Christians. They call themselves Christians sitting in churches all around the world today thinking that they're right before the Lord, but they haven't forgiven hurts, pains, offenses, bitterness. And the Bible's real clear on it about the kingdom of God. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a man that goes away or a man that... Um, owes a king a lot of money and he goes in before the king and says, I can't pay it. And the king forgives it. And the guy goes right outside and the guy owes him a little bit of money. And he says, I can't forgive it. And he says, pay it or I'm going to put you in jail. And he couldn't pay it. And he put him in jail and the king heard about it. So the king stepped back out after he'd been forgiven. You got to get this story. After he'd been forgiven because he wouldn't forgive someone that had done him wrong, the king stepped back into the picture and put the dude in jail. A lot of times we think we get saved. Now we can hold on to the offenses that we have. But you need to understand the kingdom of the kingdom principle is forgiveness. If you want to be forgiven, you must forgive another. So that was last week, and I was my goal in this whole series was to really try to bring five of these a week, but we would be here till midnight every Sunday. So today, I'm going to do one, so we should be out by one. All right? I plan. We'll get you out of a good time praying to God, I can't. But we are, and I'm not going to try to tackle five. We're going to tackle one more today, if that's okay. I'm trying to take the most important ones going in, and forgiveness is on the top of the list. This next one we're going to go over today is very important um, because it's one that derails most believers when it comes to them moving into kingdom living, is because there's a, a misunderstanding about this principle. And I want to share with you today what we're calling it. It's called the principle of suffering. In the kingdom of God, there are two kingdoms 
that exists in all of existence. There's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of darkness. Let me make you aware that you're in one of those today. There's not a third a bipartisan, there's not a spectator seating. There's not, you're either in the kingdom of God or you're in the kingdom of darkness. And if you haven't purposely stepped into the kingdom of God, you just need to be aware that you're living in the kingdom of darkness. And as a pastor, my greatest fear is that when the Lord returns or when I go on to be with heaven, that there would be people that would be sitting underneath our teaching, our, our preaching, our pastorship, and they not know. I, I grew up in the 90s, the 80s and the 90s. 80s is more of my childhood, but there was a, the G.I. Joe cartoon out. Do you all remember that one? And it was so good. G.I. Joe always, they would save the day. And, but at the end of it, there was always a public service announcement. Do you all remember those? Anybody in the ages of 40 that remember these? And at the end, they would tell you how to deal with something. And so, like, if a stranger gives you candy, you know, they don't talk to them, stranger, all that stuff. But then at the end, they'd say this. They'd be like, because now you know, and knowing is half the battle. And that's true still to this day, especially with this principle. When you understand that suffering is a principle, and it's a kingdom principle, it will allow suffering to do what God allowed suffering to to do and what he allowed it for versus something you go through or something you have to endure. Because, to tell you the truth, most Christians or believers go through life when it comes to principles and they're trying to just get through and so they take situations as they come, as they come, and they end up Getting through a lot of it, but not without a few scars, if that makes any sense. This week, I'm not a mechanic. I don't have an understanding of mechanicism or any of that. I'm a builder. I, I know construction. I'm a licensed contractor. And so building is what we do. But I find myself a lot of times having to deal with mechanical issues. And, you know, this week I was in Florida with my family. Thank you guys for letting us be gone last week. Pastor Maurice preached early service and uh, mom preached the late service. And so it was, I heard it was nothing but amazing, but thank you for letting me and the family be gone. We were at Disney. And, um, you know, you may not think that's important, but me and Jennifer were talking, you know, I got four more years left with my oldest daughter to leave an imprint that will last the rest of her life. And so if I've got four more years with her, she's a pretty big priority in my life, if that makes any sense. So I appreciate getting a pastor at church that understands that these girls, I only have them for a certain amount of time. And then they're going to fulfill what God called them to. But i got to make as strong as an imprint for God as I can in their lives. Amen. So thank you for being such a great church. But in the McCann, when we were driving to Florida, something was going wrong with my truck. When you would accelerate, it would shimmy, is what I, I, what I learned the word is called. I didn't know that's what it was called. I thought it was cutting out, missing, backfiring, something. But it's called a shimmy. And when you get to investigating it from the years of 2015 to 2019, Chevy GMC, I have a GMC Canyon, did a new system they put in trucks where they sealed the uh, transmissions. 
and they sealed them, there's no dipstick for you to check your transmission oil because they sealed them, they're supposed to be non-serviceable. They're supposed to life, last the lifetime of your truck. Well, what they found out is, and if you Google it, it's pretty common among all the vehicles that were made in that time they did this to, at about 100,000 miles, my truck's two years old, i got 150-something thousand on it now, I put a lot of miles on trucks. And so my truck, at 100,000 miles, they figured out that fluid that's in these transmissions has gone through so much working that it thickens. Nothing's wrong, it just thickens. Well, when it thickens, the torque converter has a hard time moving the fluid, long story short. You just got to pour a little bottle of dilute it, uh, it's actually called lube gear, into the transmission, and it fixes it. You wouldn't believe it. It's a miracle in a bottle. But I was shocked. Nothing ever works like it says it did. But I went and got a bottle. So they're sealed transmission. So there's not like a dipstick to pull out and put it in that hole. So when you YouTube it, what you're supposed to do is get under your, jack your truck up, take the exhaust system out because the exhaust system is blocking the transmission. And then when you get the exhaust system out, you reach up and there's a rubber thing. You pop out a rubber uh, field port at the top of the ground. You pop it out and you pour this little bottle in, pop it back in. They want $1,400 to do it at the dealer. Right, so I thought, pop a rubber thing out and pour a bottle in. I can do that. All right, so I try to tackle this thing because I don't have a full understanding of mechanicalism and don't understand the value of why everything's so important. I didn't take the exhaust system out. Problem with the sealed transmission is when you crank it, um, if you pop that little thing out when it's cold. The fluid is settled and it comes out. So you've got to have it running and the transmission be hot so the fluid doesn't come out when you pop it. That's why they take the, um, the uh, exhaust system out. Because you've got to have it hot. Well, I didn't know. I'm not a mechanic-minded person. So I get up under there to fix it. And honestly, today, my arms are burnt up. I mean, literally, I'm burnt up all over. i got one on my forehead from... Getting under a car and trying to do a simple project that I just wasn't taught to do, if that makes any sense. And I ended up all burnt up. I can tell you this, my truck runs like a top. I mean, the stuff works. Works so good, I got out, I went and got another bottle to put in Jennifer's car. Right? And so, but she had a dipstick, so it was a lot easier. I say all that to say this. I... There's so many believers, so many Christians that attend church every week that call themselves Christians and are doing everything within their heart to serve the Lord and live the life that God has for them. But because, honestly, just certain things haven't been taught properly in the house of God or in the kingdom of God, a lot of Christians end up burned up and scarred up going through what we call this purpose God has for us. But the truth is, Jesus never taught church attendance. Jesus never taught Christianity. Jesus only taught one thing, and it was called kingdom. So we're in a series called Born to Reign. Jesus, as a matter of fact, when He showed up in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, and preached His first message, He said, repent. The word repent comes from a Greek word that means to turn from, or another way to interpret it is... To change one's way of thinking. So Jesus showed up and said this. I need you to change the way you're thinking. 
Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does that mean? That's a weird statement. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, change the way you're thinking about it. Because what were they thinking? For thousands of years before, since Adam and Eve in the garden, and Adam was in dominion over this earth, he gave that dominion over to the kingdom of darkness when he moved into sin. And the kingdom of darkness has ruled this earth since that day. It was given to them. God does not rule the earth. God is sovereign. But God does not rule the earth. He gave that dominion to man as an advancement of the kingdom of God. Adam's job was to be here on earth and represent. That's why God made him in his image. Represent God in this new territory or this new earth that God had created for the kingdom of God to advance. This was supposed to be God's kingdom. But Adam and Eve messed up and they handed the authority over to the devil. And the devil since then has turned this into his kingdom. But Jesus came to turn all that around. In the Old Testament, we see God as all-powerful, almighty, all-just, all-good. But we see Him as observers. And we don't see God as participators in the Old Testament. Why? Because God revealed Himself to people as King, sovereign in the Old Testament, so that when Jesus came, they would understand who it is and what it is that is now available. And Jesus came fully as man to represent to us how a man could live on this earth with right standing with God and fulfill what God sent him here to do. That's kingdom concept. thing about it is, we've quit teaching the concepts of kingdom and we've made Christianity fit American mentality. We don't have kings. As soon as we get somebody in an office that's going to tell us what to do that we don't like, we decide next election we're going to fix this. We're going to have this one voted out and we'll put somebody else in that we think might can fix it. The truth is this, that's American thinking. There, there is no answer other than God. And God is not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. God is not, uh, uh, you know, he's not, a, uh, he's not to be voted in or voted out. He was king, and he still is king today. You don't pick your king. You get, you get to pick your king, but you don't make a king by choice. God is king. And so, God's Bible says in Romans 1, 6 that you were born and created to rule as kings and priests. But the truth is, most Christians go through this life struggling as peasants because they don't understand kingdom concepts. So, Jesus said this, in the last days, only preach the kingdom. That's what it says. That's pretty wild. Why? Because... You can get the wrong concept of what God's trying to do in your life and miss out on it altogether. I'll show you that in today's scripture real quick. But today we're going to jump in on what we're calling the principle of suffering. I believe it's one of the most important because it's the most misunderstood. And I believe the one that has been the people have missed the opportunity in more than any other kingdom principle there is. 
I want to preach this one, and then next week I'm going to spin it and preach it good on a positive note. We're going to preach the kingdom of increase. Amen? That's a good one, all right? But this one's not so good. Because I've never met anybody that likes to suffer. But the truth is, if you're alive on this planet, you're going to. As a matter of fact, there's a joke they say like this, that in marriage, it consists of three rings. When you enter into a relationship, the first ring you get is an engagement ring. The next ring you get as you continue in that relationship is a wedding ring. And as you continue in that relationship, it won't be long before you find the suffering that comes along with marriage. Alright? But what you will learn is that in the midst of suffering is not an exit key along with it. Because God uses suffering in our lives. Somehow the enemy's convinced us that when you get saved, you just got your boarding pass to the greatest cruise ship that has ever sailed through all of eternity and time. And they walk in a door, they walk down an aisle, lay down all their mistakes and all their problems and all their failures to the Lord. And the Lord takes them absolutely grateful for you to turn those over to Him. But then we think we're going to walk out and live this life that's just problem free. But that's not the truth of the kingdom. The Bible says the kingdom suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. That's a pretty pretty violent and rough sounding scripture. But when you understand principles in the kingdom, what happens is the principles start working for you, not against you. It's just like the law of gravity. When, you know, if you don't know exactly what the law of gravity is, it doesn't change the fact that it still affects everything you do. But when you come to the knowledge of the law of gravity, it's amazing how you can make the law of gravity work for your good. Especially when it comes to work and things like that. To Like the other day, I was working on the seventh story of a, of a building in my truck. I parked it down at the bottom over to the side so that I could use the law of gravity to speed me up that day. And every board we took off, I threw down and it fell down by my truck. I didn't have to carry it down the stairs. Thank the Lord for the law of gravity. All right? Understanding laws make them work for you. And a principle like last week, man, so many people get stuck in their past because they can't move to their future And it's not that there's a blood of Jesus problem. It's because they're not willing to release somebody that's hurt them. So God can't release them from the failures that they have. It's a principle. It's a law. This is a principle and law. It's called the principle and the law of suffering. So I want to bring up a couple points real quick. And then I want to close with a story that I believe makes sense. All right. They they questioned 10,000 people. The Gallup poll did a couple years ago to question 10,000 people across the United States and ask them if they could ask God one question. What would that question be? And the number one answer out of the 10,000 people asked in America what that question would be, the question was, why does God allow so much suffering? If we serve a good God, why do bad things happen to good people? Now let me just ask you out of a sense, how many of you guys have questioned that? At some point in your life. Why, why does God not fix this suffering that we see? And that's a legitimate question. 
But I want to answer those questions today out of the Bible and what Jesus taught kingdom versus just religion. All right? Uh, Number one, you need to understand what suffering is. This is the definition of suffering. It's to undergo pain, difficulty, hardship, or suffering, or um, to undergo pain, difficulty, or hardship, or difficulty for a certain amount of time. That's considered suffering. When you're in pain, when you're going through difficult times, there's all different kinds. There's relationship suffering. There's money suffering. There's abuse. There's... um, when you've been let down, when you've got regret, there's all kinds of, so there's money, there's sickness. The devil doesn't, he's got a host of weapons in his arsenal to use against you and your family in the area of suffering. And the truth is, when the enemy starts using suffering against most believers, it works. It's amazing to me that when things start getting rough, people start dropping out of church. That's crazy to me. I'm going to be honest with you because I've been through rough stuff. And I wouldn't have made it through rough stuff if I wouldn't have stayed in church. The Bible gives me a promise. It says this. This is what it says. It says, he, Jesus asked Peter, he says, you know, who do they say? He says, you're the son of God. He said, heaven and earth, I mean, earth didn't reveal this to you. Only my father. And then this is what he says. Upon this rock, meaning that upon the principle that Jesus is the son of God, upon this rock, that's a rock. They can't be moved. If you're believing in anything but Jesus being the Son of God, hey, you're listening. You're in a cult, baby. You need to know that. All right? And so Jesus is the rock. And Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against. But when the enemy starts causing suffering in people's lives, it's amazing how instantly he also has the ability to convince them that it's God doing it to them. Let's clear this up real quick. God does not cause suffering. It's shown real clear in the book of Job who causes suffering. The Bible says that God was in heaven on His throne and the devil showed up. And the devil, God said, where have you been? He said, I've been walking to and fro on the earth. And God said, did you notice my servant Job? And the devil said, yeah, but if you would let me. So God gives permission, but God doesn't call suffering. You need to know this. This is something you got to get in. Because a lot of times, as soon as suffering comes into our lives, if you don't understand this principle, then what happens is you start saying, God, what did I do to deserve this? God, why are you punishing me? God, why are you mad at me? God, are, are we start, the enemy will convince us, you know, when we got angry last week, this is the punishment, you know, because you blew it or because you got this going on. You need to understand... The principle of suffering is this. God never causes suffering, but God does allow it. You need to know this. God allows suffering to come into your life. So if He allows it, we need to know why. Wouldn't you agree? Because a lot of times, see, the enemy brings in suffering. And our first question is, God, why are you doing this? But if you already understand why, then you can understand the next question we should be asking is, what are you doing it for? You've got to understand, God never does anything without purpose. So if He allows suffering, there's a purpose connected to it. So over the next little bit, let's talk about this real quick. And I won't go to 1 o'clock today, but i got 20 minutes, so i got to get on this. Alright, number one, you've got to know where suffering came from. Suffering came from 
the minute sin enters the picture. Any time or any presence there's sin, been or is, it's only a matter of time before suffering begins to be experienced. That is the product of sin. So, let's read a scripture in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, that lays out the understanding of suffering real quick. It says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible. Because if you ever wonder what God's will for your life is, it's right there. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. I mean, that is just an awesome scripture. That I get to come and put myself under God's hand. And under that hand comes protection, comes power, comes grace. And so my goal every day is to get up and make sure that my life is submitted under God's hand. And whether I like it or understand it, doesn't matter. You don't have to understand everything God does to be able to submit yourself under His hand. You can trust that even when you don't understand it, that He is good and He is King and He is everything that He said He was. So it says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. He tells you real quick what His plans for your life are. It is to exalt you. But then He puts that word in there, time, that most of us don't like. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to deal with the principle of patience. And you can't have that principle without there being time involved. Amen. But this is one. He says, he says that, that he may be exalted in due time. Meaning that this principle is going to have time involved in it. You've got to know that going into it. Because if you don't understand that this principle has time, and time is a major element in it, when this principle goes to work for you, you need to understand it's working for you. The principle of God works for you. Why do the principle of God work for you? Because again, there were two things Jesus preached. He preached the kingdom of God, which is, the Bible talks about, is invisible. It is not eat or drink, Paul says, so it's not physical. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's all internal. One scripture says the kingdom of God is on the inside of you. There are 77 scriptures that deal with the kingdom of God that Jesus taught. The kingdom of God is what God does on the inside of us. So that we can accomplish the next thing that Jesus taught was the kingdom of heaven. They're not the same. The kingdom of God is the work that God does in us. The kingdom of heaven is what we do with that work here in this earth. That's why when we pray, there's a kingdom principle. That we may not have time in this series to go to the kingdom principle of prayer. Prayer changes things. I, I was late this morning because I was coming back for um, the meeting. Let me tell you, by the way, we've got several things going on here you may not be aware of. Every other Sunday we have a men's class called No Excuses. Ed preaches. Ed, where are you at? Can't see. He might be out there. He was in the early service. But he teaches No Excuses by Tony Evans. Man, what a great opportunity for you to grow. We also, Pastor Yvette, is started back on Sunday mornings, 9.45. If you want to be a member of our church, people ask, I want to be a member, I want to be a member. We're a different kind of church. We offer membership three ways. One, if you come, we consider you a part of our church. I'm just going to be honest with you. I consider you a member if you come. Number two, when you start tithing, that means you consider yourself a member. And you're giving because your heart is here. 
Then there's number three where you go through next steps class, which is uh, where victory's been, where we're going, or what we believe, where we go, where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. It basically goes down to what we believe, how we got here, and what we believe God's called us to do. And then it's three more, fine, and you're fitting all that. But so if you want to be a voting member to make decisions, and just let me give you a heads up, in two and a half years, we've got to make a decision, which really means in about six months, we've got to make a decision on what building we're going to be moving to because our lease will be up here. And if you want to say in that, you've got to get to that class. Because if you haven't been through three classes, then I'm going to be honest with you, membership don't mean that much to you. So, therefore, your opinion won't matter when we go to make decisions. Am I just being blunt and clear? Am I offending people already this morning? All right. So, if you're not a voting member, if you don't care, if you want your... You need to go to Next Steps and become a member. Because there are benefits in membership. Did you know that? I'm a member of the Sam's Club. I'm just not any member. I'm a premium member. That means at 8 o'clock, I can go in and shop when... Other people can't. I like that time. I purposely set my time to get in Sam's at 8 because you don't got to deal with all the people being idiots. It's just premium members, and they're my favorite. All right? People accuse us of having favorites at the church, and I'm just going to be honest with you. We do. I do have favorites here. Uh, people that have been with us longer and walked through more and have been apart and been around, I mean, they do. They, they've been a member longer. There's benefits. To be in members. And so, you may attend here, but I want to encourage you. Step in and become a member. I can tell you this. Uh, our pastoral care pastor, Ms. Doris, she's in Texas today. But our church helps lots of people. This month, we helped about six families pay rent and other bills. And every time it came to a member needing help, there wasn't a question. But... When non-members needed help, I have to go to the board and those kind of things. And i got to be honest with you, the membership matters. Amen. We've never told a member no. I'm just being blunt. Can I just be blunt with you guys this morning? And so if you think you can attend Victory and get everything out of it, that no, you need to become a member. If you think you can attend Cross Off without becoming a member, no, you need to go become a member. You need to become a member because membership has its benefits. Amen. Amen. But saying that, they, all right, so back to our teaching, we are teaching... This principle it says, therefore, humble yourself under the hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Now, it says it's casting all your cares on him for he cares for you. Now, let me give you a real quick secret here that I have found to work when it comes to the kingdom of God thinking. And things that complaining, the principle of complaining is this. If you complain long enough. Complaining has the power to get you out of things. You don't believe me? Keep complaining about your husband. Won't be long. You'll get out of that wedding or marriage. Keep complaining about your boss. Won't be long before you're going to get out of that job. Keep complaining about this church. Won't be long. You'll find another. I mean, that's the principle of complaining is it can get you out of something. But what I've learned is this. It don't ever bring you into anything better. You can't complain your way into a better marriage. Can't complain your way into a better church. Can't complain your way into a better job. All right? That's a principle no doubt. When the children of Israel, the Bible says when they were in slavery, they complained. They cried out to God. God heard their complaint and He delivered them. But they kept complaining and He wouldn't let them go into what God had for them. Why? Because complaining can get you out of something. That's the principle of it. 
but it can never take you where you need to be. And so, thing about this principle is this, is that suffering is going to be a principle that will take you where you want to be, but you're not going to get there without it. Alright? So, here it says, cast your cares on Him for He cares for you. The only place I've seen in the Scripture that biblically makes complaining profitable is right here. If I'm going through something and I need to talk about it, I need to go to God and do it. Going to prayer meeting and sharing dirty details about all the stuff you're going through to get other people to pray with you about it is not helping your situation. You've got to cast your cares on God. I've learned this. He's pretty secure. He, he doesn't get offended when you complain to Him. He doesn't even get offended when you're upset or mad. He didn't get mad when Jesus said, God, why did you forsake me? He didn't get mad when He questioned Him. I'm telling you, a lot of times, a lot of believers' problems are they can't go into what God has for them because they've not learned where and when to complain. So they just do it to everybody. And when it actually comes to coming before God, the one that can do something about your situation, then you're just begging. Am I being clear? This one's free. You guys don't got to give an offering for this one. All right. Let's go on down. It says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. This is super important because that word may there means the, has the ability to. I mean, it means has the opportunity to, not ability. The word, it would have had the word, had put the word can there to be can. The devil can't. Just come up and destroy you. He may can if you open a door, you give him an opportunity, or you set yourself up. But he can't do it in the principles of the kingdom. Alright, let's read here. It says, resist him, steadfast in faith, knowing that the same... What is that next word? Suffering. The same, no, affliction is another way of suffering, but the New King James says suffering are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Let me make this clear. Because a lot of us, the enemy convinces us that when we get saved and we become a child of the king and we enter into the kingdom of God, that now there's no more trouble. But this scripture is real clear on saying this. You're going to have the same suffering that the world has. Another scripture says this, the sun rises on the just and the unjust alike. The rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. This is point one you have to know about suffering is it's universal. Everyone gets to do it. No one is exempt. And you need to know this, you're not the only one. The devil loves to pin you up and seclude you to make you think that you're the only one that has ever had to go through something like this. And I'm going to be honest with you. He's convinced me of that a hundred times. There's something special about me that uh, he dislikes me more than everybody else. Or, you know, nobody else has to deal with or fight what it is I have to deal with. There's not a single person in here today that's not suffering somewhere in their life today. And when you understand that you're not the, the oddball, you're not 
the unique one. You're not the different one. You're not, it's not just you doing or getting attacked by the enemy. Then it makes it easier to understand that this is a part of God's plan. You need to know it says that you will suffer the same way the unsaved will suffer. We say, well, cricket, why do I need to get saved? I love C.S. Lewis's answer to this question. They asked C.S. Lewis, why do Christians have to go through so much suffering? And he answered this. He said, because they're the only ones that are going to make it through it. That is such an amazing answer. See, if the world's going to suffer and the church is going to suffer, the difference is you're not going to suffer alone and you will get through it. The truth is there are some that won't. You need to know this. There are some people that will go into suffering and won't make it through it. I can show it to you when it comes to... Remember, the Old Testament was how the believers were able to observe God and learn how God does things. In the Old Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did everything right and found themselves in a fiery furnace. They found guards that had done everything right and the same fire in that furnace killed them, but it didn't kill Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why? Because God was with them. C.S. Lewis said, it's a good thing Christians go through suffering because they're the only ones that are going to get through it. I'm telling you, the devil will come and steal, kill, and destroy, but his main purpose is to devour, to destroy, to consume, and to totally annihilate you. And the Bible says this. The Bible says that knowing this about him is very important. Knowing that he can be resisted is very important. Knowing that you can, in the face of a roaring lion, stand, it says, steadfast in faith. That means you don't have to get discouraged. And it says, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But it says, in verse 10, it says, But may the God of all grace, who called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus... After you have suffered for a while. Everybody say, suffered for a while. So, everybody's going to suffer. It's universal. You're not special. You're not the only one. And I'm not downplaying what you've been through. I'm telling you, suffering is real. But the thing about it is, the reason why God allows the devil to inject it is because God has a plan for it. And so, let's look at this real quick. Alright, the definition of suffering to go under pain, difficulty, hardship, or to go through a time of struggling. Suffering is a result of sin. Now you say, well, cricket, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't do anything and they had to go, absolutely, it wasn't their sin that did it. It was the sin of the nation that they were living in at the time. Your sin doesn't have to be the thing that causes your suffering. Sin alone can do it. In 2 Timothy 3, chapter 12, says this, Yes, all who desire to live godly, Now, that's a pretty big trip because it doesn't say all those that are achieving godly living. It says all those that desire godly living. In other words, you just wanting to be right with God says this. This is the promise. In Christ will suffer persecution. If you want to please God, this is a principal concept. You're going to suffer. You say, Cricket, this is not the Sunday I should have brought my friend. I know. But this is a reality. And most believers aren't living the reign of life that God has for them because they don't understand the principles and the concepts that you're called to live in. 
And suffering is universal. You're not the only one. You need to know this. The presence of suffering does not mean the absence of God. This is very important. You've got to know. Because the enemy loves to tell you the minute things start going wrong, you've screwed up somehow. God is mad at you. You're being punished. It's real easy when we see things go wrong in other people's life for us to stand over on the side and be like, look, they must be in sin because look what's going on in their life. I want you to know something. Suffering is not a sign of sin. Suffering is a result of sin. And just because someone is going through suffering doesn't mean they're in sin. It means that God's at work. So the presence of suffering is not the absence of God. 1 Peter 5 says this. After you have suffered for a while. Very important. Because he says for a while. Again, that's time explanation. Meaning that there's going to be hard things happen for certain amounts of time. This is a principal kingdom. That's why the Bible says weeping will last for a night. But it says, but joy will come in the morning. This is good news for somebody. Because I'm here to tell you, your suffering has an expiration date. It will not last forever. It will, just as quick as it came, it will leave. But I know this, and I'm the world's worst. I'm a baby when it comes to being sick. And this week I've been struggling with things. I've taken two COVID tests. If you listen to Wednesday night Bible study, you heard my voice was in real rash shape. I wouldn't be here today if I'd have failed a COVID test. I would never put you at risk that way. But I didn't have COVID. I just had a cold. And I'm a baby. And when I woke up Tuesday morning and didn't feel good, I'm going to be honest with you. The prevailing thought voice in my head was, I'm never going to feel good again. I feel horrible. Have you ever thought that? You're sick. You get so sick, you think, I'll never feel good again. You know, that's just crazy thinking. Because the truth is, you will get better. If you've got a cold, if you've got a sore, you're going to get better. But it's amazing how the enemy can convince us that when we're in the middle of pain, there's nothing on the other side of it. But kingdom principle says this. Suffering, I'm not denying that it exists, but I'm also not settling for the fact that it's going to remain. There's a time assigned to this suffering. And any time God puts a time on something, there's always a blessing on the other side of that time. 1 Corinthians 4.17 says this, Therefore, we do not, do not lose heart. I love how Paul kicks this off because he, he knows that obviously suffering causes believers to lose heart. Suffering causes believers to draw back. Suffering causes believers to quit, give up, doubt, quit having faith, pull back, blame God. But the truth is, Paul said, Therefore, we do not, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, even though what you're going through is hell, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Again, suffering is temporary. It's not eternal. It will not last forever. The Bible says, don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season, there's that do word again that we read a while ago, in due season... It says, surely, surely, for certain, it says that you will reap a harvest. This thing will change. There's no way that it cannot not change. 
First Peter, but it says, therefore, his light affliction, which is but for a moment, is look at what it says, working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So now Paul begins to show us why we have this suffering, why God allowed the devil to do it, and what it's actually doing in our lives. While you're waking up every day in the pain and the hardship or difficulty you're going through, you need to know what God's doing on the other side of it. And this is what it says he's doing. It says, for we, uh, it says, it is, it is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. In other words, the reason why God allowed the devil to bring it in, because God has better things in store for you than you would have ended up with if this would not have come on. That's strong. You've got to get this in your spirit. It says that, that God has greater things. That's why He's letting this to happen. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary. Your circumstance are temporary. Your situation is temporary. What you're going through is temporary. This thing is not going to be forever. And it says, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The enemy loves to tell somebody when a marriage falls apart and their heart is so broken and they can't hardly get out of bed in the morning because every dream they had given their life to is now just laying in a, hash, a, ash, a heap of ashes. That they'll never get up again and see color. They'll never get up again and feel joy. They'll never, and I'm here to tell you, that is not true. That's a lie of the devil. Weeping may last for a night. But I'm here to tell you, it's not God's plan for you. He's not going to leave it this way. And He hasn't given up on you. The only reason God allows things in your life is for your life to be exalted. So when suffering comes in, He has a plan for the suffering and it will bring profit to your future. But you've got to understand this so that the very thing that God's trying to use to bless you isn't what the enemy can use to destroy you. For example, you all heard the expression, no pain, no gain. Where do they use that expression at? At the gym. At the gym. Do you realize I can walk into a gym today, walk over to a barbell and pick up a weight, and I can lower it down on my chest and push it back up, and that's all it takes for me, and I'm already sore. All right? But the truth is, that weight caused that pain, but properly used, also brought strength and growth. I could take that same weight and allow it to be used improperly and drop that weight on my toe. And it can destroy and affect the way I walk from here on out. Suffering can be used for you even though the devil sent it in to destroy you. If you choose to use suffering the proper way, God will use it to grow you. Just like Joseph said, the very thing that was meant to harm me, God turned for my good. But then he adds this next part to that scripture that brings it into kingdom, and this is how you do it. It says, so that many 
could be saved. See, you've got to go back to understanding that everything God does is for kingdom. It's for advancing the kingdom. And it's for the reigning and ruling of His kingdom. And when He put principles into play, they make that happen. Suffering is one He allowed. The principle of suffering allowed into our lives because He could have stopped it. He could have made everything nice and rosy for you. But you know what I've learned? People don't grow when things are good. People don't grow when there's not a struggle. People would remain lower levels of life than God ever intended for them. Just like it said here, God has such greater things for you. It's just like a caterpillar. Man, they're the weakest little creatures on the planet. Most of them don't even have a defense mechanism. Some of them do. You grab the wrong one and you're going to get burnt. But most of them just look like they're dangerous, all right? But anything can kill them, squish them, hurt them. But there comes a day when they crawl into a cocoon and things begin to change. And this new life begins to be created. But the thing about it is if you watch a cocoon, in the midst of its process, it'll start shaking. And in the process of the changing on the inside, there was actually a hardening of the outside. Because in God's process is that if there's not a struggle, strength is never gained. So a butterfly, when it comes to getting out of its cocoon, they struggle and it takes time and it's hard and it's exhausting. And you can watch it and that butterfly will struggle and struggle and struggle. That thing will shake, shake, shake. And then you can tell when that butterfly gets tired because it'll quit shaking and there'll be a season time. But if you get real kind-hearted like my daughter's and decide that he struggled enough, we should help him. And you take a razor blade and you just kind of give him a nick on his cocoon. That butterfly will come out just as beautiful as you could imagine. But it can't fly. So it looks like it should be living up here. But the truth is it's still living the same life it was living before it got the change. God uses struggles. But if you allow that butterfly to struggle and tear his way out of his own cocoon, without rescuing him, the strength that's built inside of his wings is the strength it takes to carry that body above the ground that he used to crawl on. But so many times we're praying, God, deliver me, deliver me, deliver me, deliver me, deliver me. And God is saying, I'm trying to bless you, trying to bless you, trying to bless you, trying to bless you. I allow suffering so that you can fly. And we're like, but God, this suffering is hurting. It's holding me down. It's destroying me. It's, you don't understand, God, what they did to me. You don't understand how hard this is. And God is saying, but you don't understand how good I want it for you. You don't understand, it says, how amazing, how exceedingly further that I can take your life. If you can understand this principle that I've allowed suffering because suffering is what's going to position you for greatness. Suffering creates strength. The, bro- the devil brings struggles and hardships and difficulties into your life to imprison you into the shape and to the life that you're in now. But God has put on the inside of you the ability to fight and the ability to rise up and the ability to take by force. And so when you go through suffering and hardships, God is 
on your side. God is rooting for you because the Bible says He would never have let you gone through it if you couldn't handle it. It says He would have created a way of escape. So you don't have to doubt, is this the end of me? What you can begin to say is, God, what in me are you setting me up to become? Not why did you let it happen, but what are you doing in my future? Because what the enemy says is bad, God said is good. Let's go real quick. In Job 23.9, it says this, I look and I go forward, but he's not there. And backwards, and I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right, I cannot see him. But he knows the way that I take. And when he tested me, I shall come forth as pure gold. God uses suffering in your life to create something in you that nothing else could create in you. Maturity and strength is created in suffering. Do you think it's easy for God to watch the child that he loved so much that he let his son die for go through hard times? As a dad, the hardest thing in my life to do is to watch my kids suffer. And the truth is there are times that they suffer, but it's for their good. I remember when we were renovating the house that we're in now, Haley was outside playing and she fell and she scratched her knee and she'd come in crying and there was blood all over her knee and she'd fell out where the pea gravel is and in her knee was embedded some um, sticks and leaves, but there was some pea gravel right up inside of the skin. And this is my weenie baby. <laughs> my other two girls are, man, you can hit them with a the hammer, they don't cry. Haley, you blow at her a little bit. All right. But I saw her knee and I thought, man, baby, this is fixing to hurt, but I have to do it. And she's like, no, daddy, please, please. And we went through the whole conversation of her screaming and me saying, trust me, to the point where it wouldn't work anymore. So I just had to sit on her and hold her down. And I took tweezers and I had to pick those little rocks out of her knee. And the whole time she was screaming like I was killing her. And she was mad and hitting and kicking, but I wouldn't let her up. Because I knew that if I leave these rocks there, it won't cost her anything but trouble. But if I need her to get better, there might have to be a little pain for a moment. But it will set her up for a future. Sometimes, God allows hurting because if He doesn't, we'll end up where we're not supposed to be. My daughter a few years ago broke her arm on a playground. Right here, they were playing at um, the school right here in college. And we got her to Children's Hospital. Her arm, when it broke, it went back in place, but it was crooked. And when we walked in, the doctor said, you know, we're going to have to set it. Well, I didn't really understand what setting meant. And he said, I need you all to help me hold her. And the screaming commenced again. And that doctor took her arm, though, and she was screaming and crying, and he popped it. We heard it. You could hear it just like it broke originally the first time. But he popped it back straight. Now, do you think I would ever let anybody purposely grab my daughter and break her arm if it wasn't going to be for her good? And I'm here to tell you this. Her life would have been affected if she would have grown for the rest of her life with a crooked arm. But because we were allowed a doctor to grab a hold of that thing and pop it, 
causing her pain. And she was mad at us for a while for letting him do it. But today, her arm is twice as strong as it was before it was broken. The truth is this. God uses bruises. And there are times that you can be growing wrong spiritually. That God has allowed spiritually suffering to come in to get you growing back in the right direction. The thing about suffering is everybody's going to have to go through it, but not everybody's going to make it through it. Luke twenty-two thirty-two says this, And the Lord said to Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may shift you as wheat. And I love Jesus because he cares so much about us. Look what he said. But I have prayed for you. Isn't that sweet, Jesus? But then look what it says. That your faith should not fail. Wait a minute. He didn't pray that for his deliverance. He didn't pray that the suffering would stop. He didn't pray that the devil would be rebuked. He prayed that his faith wouldn't fail in the midst of the suffering. Why? Because Jesus knew that the suffering that Peter's about to go through is going to transform his life from that point forward to look what the Scripture says. And when you return to me, strengthen your brother. I'm going to allow this, Peter. I'm going to allow the devil to do this in your life, Peter, because there are brethren in the kingdom that need to see you go through this thing. And when they see you go through this thing, you're now going to have something on the inside of you that you can help them get through what they're going through as well. Tell you, there is promises in the principle of suffering. Now, this is the thing, though. A lot of times when we find ourselves in the middle of a struggle, we end up failing and we think we've blown it. Let me give somebody in here peace. It's better for you to be a follower that fails than be somebody that fails to follow. I'm going to make sense out of that in this next story and we close with this. God uses suffering for the kingdom of advancement. In the Old Testament, we see how God acted, how He functioned. We can find the nature and the character of God. Character is something you can't change. Like I told you, there are two kingdoms. You're either in the kingdom of light or in the kingdom of darkness. This is the truth. A lot of times we would like to convince ourselves that the devil could actually wake up and be some kind of a sort of a nice guy, but there's no nice guy in the devil. There was an old story they used to say there was a frog and a scorpion that were sitting on the side of a river and they were both needing to get across. The frog jumped in to swim across and the scorpion hollered, Please don't go without me. Let me ride on your back. I can't swim. And the frog says, I can't do that because you're a scorpion. And if I let you get on my back, you're going to sting me. And the scorpion said, no, why would I do that? Uh, if we're going across the river, I can't swim. If I sting you, you'll drown. That means I'll drown. I'm not going to sting you. And the frog thought about it for a minute. It made sense. said, all right, climb on. We'll both go across. Halfway across the river, the frog felt a sharp pain in his side. And then the paralysis began to sit in his limbs. And he knew what had happened. And he turned to the scorpion and said, why did you sting me? We're both going to drown now. He said, I couldn't help it. It's just my nature. What you got to understand is the devil's nature is no good. He will not take compassion on you. He will not care if your kid suffers and goes through tragedy. He doesn't mind. Just look at the world around us and you can see the heart of the devil. But you can also trust the nature and the heart of God. 
And if God let it happen, He let it happen because, one, it's for your good, but then two, it's for the kingdom. This is a strange story, and I'm going to close with it, but it's one of the stories in the Old Testament that a lot of people read over and never go back and check out and ask why it's there. And so, and it's really not a great explanation, so God kind of left it for us when we read these stories to try to figure out what God is saying. I want to read it to you this morning. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 35. And it says this, Now a certain man of the sons of the prophet said to his neighbor, by the word of the Lord. Let me stop right there and say this. All right, let's lay the picture. There was a man that was born into the prophets of God. And he was a prophet because he could hear the voice of God. And that's what it says here. It says there was this guy from the house of the prophets and he heard what God told him. Now check out what it says. It says, so he went to his neighbor and he was doing what God told him. He said, strike me, please. And the man refused to strike him. And he said to him, Because you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, surely as soon as you depart from me, a lion shall kill you. Now, of all the people in the Bible that I've asked God to use me as, there have been certain times I've asked God to use me as this guy. God let somebody ask me to hit him. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But Because there's some people I believe that might need one of those. But ain't this weird? That a prophet of God heard the voice of God go tell somebody to punch him. And when the man didn't do it, the Bible said he got killed by a lion. Came in and ate him. Isn't that a crazy story? This is wild. It just came out of nowhere. It's kind of like what suffering does in my life. I'll be cruising along, all of a sudden something bad will take place, suffering in my marriage and my kid. I mean, when they diagnose my child with having double hip dysplasia, I've got to be honest with you. I was like getting punched in the face that day. We did not wake up planning for that. And we didn't have anything in our future planned to deal with it. All of a sudden we found out that our child was going to be in a wheelchair at 13 and have to have complete hip reconstruction at 20. Never play sports, be in pain. And that's rough. But we had already moved to the concept of kingdom. And if God allows it, it's only for our good. So we walked through those six surgeries and we went through all that we went through. And I watched a little kid that makes no sense, a three-year-old, have to be in a full body cast for six months and the pain, the sores, the pinholes they got in favor, just hell for six months for this little kid. And I said, God, why are you allowing it? God, why would you let her? Because I knew God didn't cause it. And I knew it was because she was born in a cell. But me and Jennifer were saved. And we believe promises over our kids. So why is our kid going through this? This suffering is real. But see, we wasn't thinking about the kingdom. We were just thinking about our comfort. Because when it comes to kingdom, God's willing to trade your comfort for somebody else's eternity. And this is the truth. God told this man that had done everything right and was right with the Lord that we know of to go have somebody wound you. That don't sound like a loving God, does it? But let's read on down. And he said this. And he said to him, because you did not obey, and as soon as he left him, a lion found him and killed him. This is a crazy story. Let's read the next part. And he said, he found another man 
And he said, strike me, please. So the man struck him, inflicting a wound. That dude didn't even think twice about it. <laughs> and then the prophet departed. Now check out what happened. I want to, first I want to show you this. How you deal with suffering determines whether or not God can use you in the future. You need to know this. We think that just because God's put a call on your life, that God has to wait on you. I'm sorry, baby, we're not that important. The Bible says, as a matter of fact, if we don't do what we're supposed to do, if we don't praise Him, rocks and trees can take our place. i got to be honest with you, I don't want to be replaced by a rock. I'm telling you in here, there are people that God has allowed suffering to come in because He has such a plan for you. But you're not wanting to be a part of the suffering, so you're doing everything you can do to get out of it. And God is saying, if you get out of this thing, you're going to miss what I have for you. Read what it says. So he found another man, a man inflicted a wound. Then the prophet departed and waited for the king by the road and disguised himself with the bandage over his eyes. And then you can read on that. It says, and now the king passed by. You can read the whole story and come on down. Well, let me read a little bit. It says, now the king passed by and he cried out to the king and said, your servant went to the midst of the battle. It says, and there was a man over and brought a man to me and said, guard this man if by any means he is missing, your life shall be for his life or else you shall pay a talent of silver. While your servant was busy here and there, he was gone. I'm going to start with that. Let me explain what's going if God needed to get a message to the king, the king wouldn't hear it. He had a hard heart and a hard countenance. And so God told a prophet to go get wounded. And once you're wounded, go stand on the side of the road. And when the king passes by, the king took notice of him. What do you think it was that got his attention? Think it was his nice dress? Or you think it was the wound that was very evident? The Bible says that was wrapped with the bandage. It had to be a pretty hard wound because it had to be bandaged. It was the wound that got the king's attention. It was the wound that got the king to stop. And it was the wound that gave the opportunity for this prophet to speak the word of the Lord to this king. Jump down to verse 43. The last one in this chapter it says, So the king of Israel went to his house. And in the New King James verse says, Sullen and displeased, and he came to Samaria. Another translation says, Greatly grieved and depressed. Another translation says, Under great conviction. Let me try to explain this to you. There's sometimes God allows suffering in your life because it's for your spiritual growth and for your maturity. And the reason why spiritual growth and maturity has to take place is because you can't hold the weight of your capacity being as weak as you've always been. So God allows suffering to come in so that we can grow up and strengthen up and become what He's called us to be. But another reason why He allows suffering into our lives sometimes is because it's a trust factor. There are some people that are in the world that are dying and going to hell that it don't matter how loud you sing, how nice you look, how good you preach. They can't hear what God has to say through you because you haven't been through anything that they can look at and say, He knows what He's talking about. 
It's real easy to give success advice if you've always been successful. But what I've learned is most people aren't successful. So giving success advice when I'm successful means that only successful people can follow this advice. But see, it's when God allows you to suffer, when it, God allows you to go down, or when God allows things to go wrong in your life. And you go through that situation, and people can see you go been through something. Then they perk their ears up because they know you know what you're talking about. There's some heavy or weightedness comes when somebody's been through something. I don't want somebody to tell me how to have a good marriage that's been married for a year. I want to find somebody that's been there 30 and been through a few things and can tell me when your wife is griping all the time what to do about it. <laughs> or can tell me, am I making sense? There's sometimes God allows wounds to happen in your life and it ain't got nothing to do with you because you're a part of the kingdom of God. And so God will ask you to allow Him to put you in situations that those that are dying and going to hell, that can't hear the voice of God and can't find any way out of what it is their end will be. Except somebody go through something that they can sit back and respect a little bit. You know that king when he rode by and saw that dude all bandaged up? He thought, that dude's been through some stuff and he's still here. Maybe I ought to listen to what he's got to say. Sometimes God doesn't allow suffering to come because of punishment. Sometimes He allows it to come because He trusts you. He knows that you understand what He's trying to do. And your discomfort for just a little while is worth that person not dying and going to hell. Sometimes God will put you in the middle of suffering. Because there's no other person that will ever be able to touch the person that is watching the situation go on. Unless somebody has been through it and they open their heart to hear what somebody been through pain before has got to say. Got to be honest with you. When I find myself in a suffering situation, I start trying to find somebody that's done made it through it. Because if they made it through it, they can tell me how to make it through it too. Sometimes God just lets you go through suffering because He knows He's not going to let it destroy you, but it will destroy others. And I have to trust that the hand of God is good. Even when the hand of God's not moving and changing the things that I want Him to. Sometimes i got to trust God in the middle of my suffering and say, God, I'm hurting so bad. But I know that you wouldn't do this unless someone else was going to end up worse off than me. And I take this one for the team. Or take this one for the king. And you can trust me, God. Because I trust you. Suffering is a principle that will set you up for promotion. And I've learned this because I found myself there. When I'm in the worst of my struggles... I can look back now and see that it was God saying, Cricket, I really do trust that you're going to do the right thing. I never would have let you get there. So just hold on. Don't give up. Because weeping lasts for a night. But just as sure as the sun came up today, 
this thing won't last forever. And you will live again. You will love again. You will see color in your day. You will dream and have hope again because, see, God allows suffering because when suffering has ran its course, God's plan for you is to be full of joy. This is what it says. Jesus endured the cross as a lot of suffering for the joy that was set before him. He had the ability to look over what was happening and see me and you saved on the other side. And when we can look at our suffering as somebody desperately needs to see me go through this and go through this right, because if not, they may end up in hell for all of eternity, it makes the medicine a little easier to swallow. I waited in line last week for 45 minutes to get my girls a picture with Mary Poppins. And I didn't mind waiting because Mary Poppins taught me this principle of a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. And that's basically what this message is. God's not a wife beater. He's not a child abuser. He has an antidote for your suffering. The Bible says that when Joseph was a slave, that's what it says. It says God gave him favor. God will never leave you in the middle of a struggle or suffering without giving you a spoonful of medicine. I mean, a spoonful of sugar to help it go down. And Paul said this. The Bible says, Paul said, Jesus, I've got this thorn in my side. Will you take it from me? He said, I prayed about it three times and God wouldn't take this thing from me. And then God replied and said this. I'm not going to take it from you. But what I am going to do is I'm going to give you grace that will be sufficient to get you through. See, you're never going to go through it without what you need to get through it. But if you will allow God to take you through it, once you get through it, you will have pulled so many lives that would have been headed to the staying in the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and the suffering that God allowed will accomplish what he let it be there for and suffering for a night becomes joy in the morning I want to leave this with you and this is how I'm going to close what are you going to let your wounds produce because it can produce bitterness hurt disappointment it can produce unfaithfulness and depression. It can produce drawing back and giving up. Or it can produce a change that will change your future and the future of your family here on out. There's a girl named Zara in the Bible. And in Second Chronicles, it tells her story. She's actually a pretty famous girl. She was David's sister. But she was, theologians believe, was obviously very marred or wounded. Because Zara means my wounds, or another translation is completely scarred. That was this girl's name. They used to name people according to circumstances at the time, back then. Like there was a lady that when Eli fell off his stool and broke his neck, the prophet died. And, you know, God's presence left the country and... 
she had a baby. She named her baby Ichabod, which means the glory of God is left. All right, so her current situation now became her future life. Zara's different. She'd been wounded and she'd been scarred to the point where everybody knew it. But the Bible says she bore three sons. Joab, Abner, I'm sorry, Abner was Joab's name. Joab, Abishai, and Asher. Joab, you would think that what was born out of wounds and complete scars and total sufferings would have been of no future. But she made a difference. She could have named those kids what I deserve, what I did, what God abandoned me. She could name whatever she wanted. But she named Joab, and Joab was raised and taught to lead. And he became the general of David's army. And during the years that Israel advanced the kingdom and took more ground and more advancement of Israel's kingdom of all time, Joab led every battle during that moment. And he was born out of wounds and scars. Abishai was David's closest companion. Abishai was always with David in battles. David was known for killing giants. Nobody else in the Bible has ever been known that until the Bible says David one day was fighting an a Egyptian giant that had six, hand, six fingers and six toes on each hand and foot. And the Bible says this giant struck David and backed him into a corner. And Abishai come running out and got between David and that giant. And Abishai killed that giant. So the Bible now has two men written in it that have killed giants. And he was born at once. Asher, he was known in the Bible as being the fastest runner in the entire... In fact, you can read this, Second Samuel chapter 23, it talks about David's mighty men. He was the fastest running man in the entire nation of Israel. What does that mean? He was the fastest in his field. He won everything he went after. It was in him to pursue. And so what came out of wounds was the fastest in his field. We have a choice what our wounds and sufferings will produce. We can let them produce what the devil sent them to produce for. Or we can go through it knowing that the hand of God is over our lives. And we have submitted ourselves under it. And we are in the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, what suffering is to the world is not what it is to us. Suffering to us is an opportunity. Suffering to us is only a matter of time. And suffering to us is a trust that God has put on us so that many can be saved and advance the kingdom of God in areas that could not be reached without suffering. So what are you saying, Greg? And I'm saying this. What will your wounds produce? You're going to be wounded. If you're married, probably before the sun goes down. If you're a parent, probably before you leave church. If you're a church member, probably before you got here. The truth is, wounds are part of life. You can choose to let the kingdom of darkness do with them what they choose. Or you can let the kingdom of God work through your suffering and produce life in others. The principle 
of the kingdom is what don't kill you only does you good. Amen. You receive it. Can I pray for somebody today? Is there anybody in the middle of a suffering season or a, or a struggle that, man, you just are at a place where you just saying, Cricket, I'm so weak at this moment. There's good news. God's grace is sufficient. And He says, I will give it to you. If I don't take the pain, I will give you the grace. There have been times in my life God stopped suffering. But then there are times that He didn't. But He never left me empty-handed. He was always right by my side. And He always gave me grace to get through what I couldn't handle on my own. And I'm here to tell you, Anytime God allowed it, my life got better. I tell you, I've been through some hell and back. But I'm here to tell you, I'm back, baby. I'm back. And if you're in hell right now, it's only a matter of time before you're back. Weeping lasts for a night. But as sure as the sun comes up tomorrow, your suffering will end in the morning. Can I pray over you? Father God, I ask you right now. Let us see what you see. Let us see what it is you do. God, I thank you that you loved us enough that you sent your son to die on the cross for us so that now we can be a part of the kingdom of God. We, I want to pray, anyone in here that's not a part of the kingdom, this is your chance. If you've been playing games and you've been calling yourself a Christian but you're really not a part of the kingdom of God but today you want that to change it can change you simply pray this prayer with me say dear father forgive me for my sin thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for me and I ask right now that he become the Lord of my life he become my king and I think that everything that I was is now passed away. And behold, all things are new. And I am a king because Jesus is the king of kings. And I thank you that you are positioning me to rule and reign. And Lord, I thank you that in the areas that you have trusted me to go through hard and difficult times, I thank you that there's someone on the other side that desperately needs to see me handle this different. Lord, I ask you to forgive me for the areas that I failed. And I ask you to send your ministering angels to pour strength and ability in, just as they did at Jesus at the wilderness, to walk through what I'm walking through, and still you get the glory. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I leave you this? It's only going to get better from here. It's only going to get better from here. You have no idea. It's a compliment. You hate it when people say this, but, you know, somebody told me this the other day. I was joking around with them. I said, yeah, don't, you got to be careful. Jen, she'll get mean on you real quick. And they said, well, the only reason Jennifer gets mean with you is because she loves you so much. <laughs> I said, I guess so. You know, because nobody else is willing to live with me like she does. Uh, the thing about it, the only reason why God would allow suffering in your life for a season is if it's going to be over soon and it's going to be better for you in the future. I used to wear braces. I don't know if anybody knew that. But um, I told in the early service, when I was about five, 
they found out my legs grew wrong. They grew like this. And so from five to probably, I said seven, or it was probably nine or ten, every night I had to go to sleep with braces on my legs. And they weren't little braces. They went from here down, and they had metal bars that connect all the way down. They turned my feet in like this because my feet were growing out. And every single night I had to wear these. And my brother and sisters made fun of me because they said I wet the bed till I was 14. Well, let me be honest with you. With those braces on, you couldn't go to the bathroom. So there were some nights it wasn't a choice for me. All right? But, it, like I said, it, but I remember in those years, though, my dad would have to put them on me and he would strap them on me and I would go to bed. I remember laying in bed a lot of nights and crying myself to sleep, thinking how unfair it was that I had to wear these things and nobody else had to. I can't imagine how hard it was for my parents to keep putting me in them braces every night because they knew that I was going to fight them every time they went to do it and they knew I was going to lay in bed and cry for hours because I had to. I'm 48 years old now. I play basketball. I play football. I've had a very active life. I'm here to tell you this. I'm so thankful for those five to six years that they held me down every night and put them braces on my legs because by turning my legs the way they were supposed to go, made it to where I could live and fulfill the life and dreams that I wanted to. Sometimes you just got to trust that what you're doing and going through, you may not like it right now, but God can see down the road. And it wasn't easy for them to put them braces on, just like it wasn't easy for me to take my little girl and put her in a full body cast all those months. But I knew what was down the road for her. I went to her first dance recital last year. And I'm going to the Nutcracker at Christmas. I will watch this little girl dance. And I'm so thankful for suffering. Because that suffering has made it where my little girl can walk. And you say, was it worth it? Yes. But this is what the devil tries to tell people. That if you're going through something and you're suffering, then you're disqualified for the king's purpose. Let me tell you something. The very fact that you've been through something qualifies you for God to use you. You tell the devil to shut up. I am a testimony. I don't mind telling people that I was broken. No, I'm not. I don't mind telling people I was sick and now I'm healed. I don't mind telling people I was a sinner and now God's working and turning me into a sinner. I don't mind because of this. The very suffering that God allows is the thing that will qualify you to help others down the road. It was God that told the prophet to have somebody hit him. Wasn't his own idea. Does this make sense? Sometimes God is trusting you. So it's a compliment. I want to leave you with this, but somebody needs to hear this. You're going through what you're going through because somebody else is going to hell. And God needs to have somebody that will go through it right. But you need to know this. It won't be forever. And you're real close to your season changing. Amen. Weeping may last for night. Joy will come tomorrow. So just simply raise your hand and just say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you have not left me. You've not forsaken me. And that you are going to use this for your glory in the name of Jesus. I don't crowd all over you guys. I love you. God bless you. You're dismissed.
Next week we're talking about the, the principle of increase. And if anybody in here that does not have enough money, you need to be here. Okay?